live from Southern California, this is the Jim Rome Show. Taylor freaking Heineke. In fact, how many times have we said that before? I mean, this dude, this dude is the best. The famous, most successful St. Louis Battlehawk. St. Louis Battlehawk. St. Louis Battlehawk. How many times do you think I hit that guy last night with that text? St. Louis Battlehawk. St. Louis Battlehawk. It's James Kelly. Whoa. That's James Kelly, who used to appear on this program on Fridays, but then I gave him his own podcast. Well, a shared podcast. Because of things like that. He says things like, St. Louis Battlehawks. Louis Anyway. <laughs> that dude was bawling out for the St. Louis Battlehawks. But he clearly is the best Commanders QB since the Commanders became the Commanders. What's not to like about this guy? What's not to love about this guy? What's not to hype about this dude? He's got a giant... Brass set. He wears that brass set right on his sleeve. And most importantly, my guy gets the job done. Doesn't matter how it looks. He just gets the job done. Even against the undefeated Eagles, Heineke went into Philly last night and he broke up that party. I mean, dude does things like that, right? It's almost like he went right to the Philly PD and said, put the lamp post KY down. Lamp post KY is for closers. He told Philly fan to put the horse pies back on ice. He told those old bags down in Miami to pop their stupid champagne and get it over with already. Philly's undefeated season is dead slain by a dude who does it his own way, which often means ways that I have never seen before. He just finds ways to get it done almost every single time. Case in point, how about that clinching play last night that effectively ended the game? They're going to throw on third down and seven. Instead, Heineke wisely, and now a flag, and that's going to, in essence, end the game. It's just such a Heineke move, like, to draw the penalty. You know, a game-winning open field kneel. I'm not sure how many other guys would do that. He did. It's not even that it was just such a brilliant thing or such a great thing. It was just a little bit different, and it worked. It worked for him. It's just what he does. And then he somehow made celebrating a flag for a late hit seem cool when the ref chucked that flag 50 feet in the air. So, a brutal way for Philly to lose an undefeated season, but they didn't lose their undefeated season on that one play. That was not a good night for them. They lost the turnover battle. Things did not go their way. Any year when everything has gone Philly's way, you know, it stands to reason there was going to be a night where it, didn't, where it did not, and that was last night. And somehow, some way, the right play at the right time was made by the St. Louis Battlehawk. St. Louis Battle Which is what this guy does. It's his deal. He makes the right plays at the right times, and it just keeps working. So now this guy's 3-1 and one this season. 3-1. and one. 
eight and four in his last 12 starts. And check this, since 2018, the Commanders are 10 and nine when Heineke starts and 19 and 37 when everybody else starts. So if it weren't already clear, it should be pretty crystal at this point. Taylor Heineke is the commander's QB1. However, Carson Wentz is supposedly set to come back from injury in the next couple of weeks. There's no way in hell I'm going to start Wentz over Heineke. I mean, to me, that's insane. Carson, no offense. See, you can go kick rocks, brah. Not to pile on this dude, but must have been a really... Not to pile on this dude. Whenever somebody says not to pile on this dude, somebody's going to get piled on. Not to pile on this dude, but it must have been a really rough night for Wentz. Watching his backup outplay him against another team where his backup once famously outplayed him. Watching his new team that already doesn't want or need him beat his old team that doesn't miss him at all. So he may have kept his head up, but that could not have been an easy night for him. And then to make it worse, he had to listen to his teammates absolutely gush about Heineke after that game. I mean, if you want to hear a case for why Taylor should be the guy going forward, listen to their best offensive player. One of my favorite guys, one of the best guys, one of the best players, one of the best leaders, Scary Terry, one of the best nicknames, Scary Terry, who balled out last night like he always does, and then he heaped the praise on his QB. You can't just measure him by his size or his arm or some of the intangibles that maybe that position's always um, categorized as or, or identified as. A lot of the things that he brings to the table you can't quite quantify and just his ability to uh, not quit. Um, he comes into every game with confidence that he can help us win, and he's going to try to make any play possible to, to help us do that. So whether it's making plays down the field, extending the plays with his legs, diving for pylons, like he's a guy who's always just going to leave it out on the field. And I think uh, anybody who's on this team is going to respect that, just his ability just to leave every ounce of, of what he's got on the field. I think we all respect that, and we want to do whatever we can to support him. I mean, hell, what he said. What can I add to that? Terry McLaurin. I mean, that is one of the more positive things. There's more positive things in that one 30-second clip than all the positive things that any group of teammates have ever said about Wentz over the, his entire career. The commanders love this dude, Heineke, as much as everyone everywhere, well, doesn't love Wentz. And the best thing about Heineke is... My dude just loves to compete. He'll never say anything other than that. He just wants to compete for the starting gig, and that's what he's all about. All about team, all about competing, never, ever making it about himself. He said as much to me on Radio Row nine months ago that it's always about that. It's about competition. It's about competing. It's about making everybody and everything around him better. I'm preparing for another quarterback battle, and it's it's nothing new in my career. It's been like that since high school. So, you know, I, I welcome it. It makes me better, uh, and I, I think it makes the guy I'm competing with better. So, you know, I'm prepared for it, and, um, you know, again, you know, whatever happens, happens, but I just want to be there. I mean, love this guy. At the time of that conversation, I was wondering aloud if Rivera should make this dude his plan A this season. And clearly that was the move because clearly Wentz was not the move. 
As for Philly, the undefeated season is now done. Nothing to really overreact to. Games like this happen. They got gashed on the ground. It's not like that's anything new. We know their run defense is an issue. And even despite all that, if not for that weird late hit on that open field kneel, they might have actually pulled this game out of the fire. They had a backwards game for them in the turnover battle. It was just not their night. It happens. And by the way, the commanders are a lot tougher and a lot grittier than they get credit for. As for Philly, they got beat. A loss might not even be the worst thing. In fact, it might be a good thing. And that's not me talking. That is A.J. Brown talking. Me personally, of course I want to win, but not all this 17 and over with. Like, you know, now we're going to wake up and how you going to respond, you know? How are you going to respond? Just checking out my text right here. Shout out to the good brother, Carl Anderson. Carl, what up, man? Brother. He's always checking us out. Hey, Cashy, how you doing? Anyway, those tired, old, champagne-popping bags in Miami have got a new favorite player. Except I think Philly fan knows that 17-0 was never going to happen. I mean, you might have TV shows, networks, platforms going on and on about, can they run the table? Is this it? You knew that was not going to happen, right? Well, maybe not all Philly fans. There may have been a couple of Philly fans that thought that was, in fact, a possibility. There may have been one Philly fan who knew it was a possibility. You know, that dude who was on ABC6 yesterday. The dude who rolled up to the stadium 15 hours before kickoff and gave an absolutely legendary Philly fan interview. This dude showed up to wait in line for the parking lots and stand in the dark just so he could stare at the stadium. I'm not making this up. I'm not kidding. It's one of the most Philly fan things. Hey, and Philly fan, don't come for me. I, I respect you. I admire you. Part of me wants to be you. But deep down, I know I don't have that kind of heart. But I want it. So I'm not cracking back. This is nothing but respect. It might be the most Philly fan thing and I know that's hyperbole. Like, what's the most Philly fan thing you've ever heard or seen? That's a really hard thing to answer, right? Booing Mike Schmidt. Booing Santa Claus. Hitting that guy who climbed the lamppost with the tomahawk empty bottle of Grey Goose. Eating horse crap sandos. I, I mean, what's the most Philly fan thing ever? It's an impossible thing to answer. So let me just say, this is one of the most... Philly fan things I've ever seen or heard. A dude showing up 15 hours early in the darkness just so he could stare at the stadium. Got a coffee, got down here at 5.30. Nobody here in the dark. And I'm just looking at the stadium thinking about the game. He's first in line about eight hours before the parking lot opens to claim a spot for his tailgating group. I got two pounds of shrimp, two giant tomato pies, 70 beers and a bag of warm clothes for tonight's Monday night football matchup against the Washington Commanders. Super Bowl. Have you ever experienced the flavor of actual live fire cooking? We're not talking about a fire pit in the backyard. This is about the big green egg, the ultimate cooking experience. I know you know about it because the second I got mine and I started talking about it, people were rushing up on me like they knew. They wanted to talk about it. 
It's because the egg is the most versatile grill you're ever going to own. I'm telling you, you can grill, roast, smoke, sear, and even bake. Yes, try a pizza on the egg. It will amaze you. It works. It's incredible. So stop wasting money on grills that you have to replace every few years. We've all been there. We've done that. It gets old. Forget the pellets and the knockoffs, too. Listen to me. Roll with an authentic big green egg. It is a ceramic marvel. It's backed by a lifetime warranty. That's right, a lifetime warranty. It is simple to light. It is easy to use. It works without a power source. You don't have to plug anything in. So with the playoffs and the holidays approaching, you cannot beat a smoked turkey on an egg. How cool is that? And it makes a great gift. And they've got two models that are perfect for tailgating. The best part is you can have it delivered right to your house for free from a local dealer in your community. That's right. Shop online at BigGreenEgg.com. Have it delivered to your house for free. That's how I did it. It was an awesome experience. That's BigGreenEgg.com. And yes, you will thank me later. Got a coffee. Got down here at 530. Nobody here in the dark. And I'm just looking at the stadium thinking about the game. He's first in line about eight hours before the parking lot opens to claim a spot for his tailgating group. I got two pounds of shrimp, two giant tomato pies, 70 beers. And a bag of warm clothes for tonight's Monday night football matchup against the Washington Commanders. Super Bowl. That's how we roll. My man. Did you already said also, it was not eight hours before the game it was eight hours before the gates open so 15 hours before and why 5 30 in the morning in the darkness why why normally i would say why does anybody do anything because all together now they can but that's not why he did it so he could look at the stadium quote you're like yeah i got two pounds of horse pies Four empty Grey Goose bottles, 70 D-cell batteries, Super Bowl, that's how we roll, and I'll be up the light pole. That's how we roll. My man, what a legend. What a legend. This guy rolls up eight hours before the gates even open so he can sit in the freezing cold and the darkness and stare at the stadium. This dude is the ultimate Philly fan. He's like the Taylor Heineke of Philly fans. I think that he may even unseat the Philly heckler for Philly fan of the year. I heard you get terrible swamp ass before every start. McCullers, Hoskins got with your girlfriend in high school twice. That is getting smoked. How much sticky stuff's in that hair? I know there's something in that lettuce. Don't even get me started on you. Valdez, what's in your glove? What the hell's in your glove? Show me the off speed. My grandma could have rocked that. You need to figure it out. I haven't seen a strike yet. Billy's money line. Billy's money line is free tonight. I mean, he he's the goat. That guy's the goat. I I wanted to say that smack just does not slap like it did before the Phillies collapsed. But you know what? It does. He's the goat. That guy's absolutely the goat. However, the dude who tailgates the tailgate is in the conversation. 
the dude who stands alone in the dark, staring at the stadium eight hours before they open up the gates, is right there. 70 beers in his trunk. He said it. 70. Who was he expecting? Wade Boggs? 70 beers in his trunk. That's right there. Peak Philly fan. That fires me the hell up. But you know who fires me up even more? Back to the man, Terry McLaurin. You would be hard-pressed to find a better dude, a better player, and a better leader than Scary Terry. I already played the sound of what he had to say about his quarterback. Listen to what he said in the locker room as he addressed his entire team. You can see how much that means to him. It means a lot to everybody in this locker room, bro. We set the tone. We took it to them. We all got from no Teams. We come to practice, we practice hard, we take it to people, we be opportunistic, and we gonna win games, bro. We gonna stay humble, we got a lot of things to fix. We got a lot of things to fix. We're gonna go on the road again, we're gonna try to get this done. Bring this in, bro. Love Scary Terry. Love him so much. He jumped in there when Ron Rivera tried to address the team, but he got too emotionally choked up and he had to step off. And Terry jumped in, and that's what he said. I don't play favorites. I just don't. But this dude is definitely one of my favorites. I'm not a fortune teller, but I'm guessing while Heineke drew that unsportsmanlike penalty, Wentz, however, would have dropped back, hesitated, made a back-breaking decision, would have fumbled it, would have thrown some hideous pick with his offhand, whatever. Something bad would have happened. Now, I know a lot of people thought that it was a weak, roughing the passer call. I don't disagree with that. I get that. I get your frustration. I'm sure if we asked that eagle tailgater, he would say that he would want Wentz as the commander starter. Eight hours before the gate even opens, man. That's dedication. Hope your boys appreciated that. Nobody here in the dark. I mean, the rest of us get antsy if we have to wait more than 10 minutes for a table. Hope that guy's listening. If you are, my dude. Clearly eight hours. I could not be more impressed. Except, you know what? It was not enough, right? It didn't work. It was not enough. My man, you got to go harder. You got to be hardcore. If you want the Eagles to play better, then next time, show up nine hours before the gate opens. Two pounds of shrimp. How about some clams? How about some king crab? How about some lobster? Sure, it might put you in the poorhouse, but you want them to win, don't you? Super Bowl. As committed as you were, as impressed as I am, it wasn't enough. Double down. Get there earlier. Next time, 125 beers. Red Lobster. Red Lobster. What up, Zeke? What up, Zeke? 70 beers. It is time to knock that new business idea out of the park with Shopify, the all-in-one commerce platform to start, run, and grow your business. Forget the off-season work. Shopify makes it simple to sell to anyone from anywhere. Whether you're selling warm-ups or wall hangers, it is time to start selling with Shopify and join the platform simplifying commerce for millions of businesses worldwide. 
With Shopify, you will customize your online store to your brand, discover new customers, and build the relationships that create diehard fans. And and Shopify fields all the sales channels to grow a winning business from an in-person POS system to an all-in-one e-commerce platform, even across social media platforms like TikTok, Facebook, and Instagram. And thanks to 24-7 support and free on-demand business courses, Shopify is on your team every step of the way. It's how every minute new sellers around the world score their first sale with Shopify, and you can too. When you're ready to take your winning idea to the world, team up with Shopify, the commerce platform powering millions of businesses down the street and around the globe. Try out Shopify for free today and start selling anywhere. This is Possibility, powered by Shopify. Sign up for a free trial at shopify.com slash Rome, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash R-O-M-E, all lowercase, and start selling online today. Shopify.com slash Rome. Tyrese Halliburton is my guest. Tyrese, good to have you on. How are you? I am good. I am good. How are you? Good, dude. Good. In fact, I want to rephrase that question. The team is playing really solid ball. You are off to a great, great start. So how are you living, dude? How are things? Uh, things are good. Things are good. I think uh, we're all excited where we are right now. Uh, we got two games coming up this week, or three games this week, uh, against some, some good teams, and we're just you know excited to come out here and compete, and uh, we're just a young team that's hungry. That's it. You guys are a young team and playing really well. Let me ask you about the start that you're off to, arguably the best ball of your young NBA career. What has been the biggest difference for you so far this season? Uh, I would just say for me, it's my first, you know, starting a year uh, as the lead guard, um, a lot of confidence and excitement throughout this organization in me. Um, and I just worked really, really hard this summer and, um, you know, the fruits of my labor are showing now, but um, I think it's, it's all just, I think, part of the growth and um, the experience that I've, that I've had. All right, so one day at a time, and I know you're concerned about the bigger picture, but you're getting some early season run as a potential all-star. How much would that mean to you should it happen at this point in your career and as a member of this franchise? Yeah, I mean, it would mean everything. Um, it's uh, been a goal of mine my whole life. I've always wanted to play in an all-star game. Um, in fact, I think my first ever jersey was a Carmelo Anthony all-star jersey, so I've always wanted to play in the all-star game, so that would be amazing, um, especially you know at this point in my career. To have the opportunity would be awesome, but I just control what I can at this point. Tyrese Halliburton is my guest. You mentioned Melo and that being your first all-star jersey or all-star gear. What was it about Melo when you were growing up or when you were watching him? What did you like best about him and his game? Uh, I've always appreciated Melo's game. I grew up, I, I grew up in the the LeBron Kobe era, so LeBron's my was my all time favorite player growing up. Um, but I just I loved Melo too because he was out west, so he didn't really play LeBron too often. Uh, he wore he wore a headband. I used to wear a headband growing up, so uh, I just LeBron. And um, you know when I got got the opportunity to play against Melo, I got to the NBA. It was a dream come true, and and now it's uh, you know a guy that I can you know call anytime, have a conversation with. So. Uh, it's just an amazing, amazing feeling. I mean, not to belabor that point, but what was that like? When you, you have a guy that you look up to and you admire, and then you go up against that guy in the association, I mean, you kind of let him know, like, yo, you're my guy, or do you play that off? Like, what was that experience yeah. like that first time? Yeah, there's times that you let it go, times that you, times that you say something. Uh, that just happened to be one of the times I say something because I was like, my first, I think my first preseason game was against the Trailblazers. My first two preseason games were against the Blazers when he was there 
Um, so I said something to him. We actually have the same agent. So, uh, you know, I felt comfortable being able to talk to him. And uh, I went to the Redeem team um, premiere this year and I uh, got to talk to him and D-Wade there. And uh, it's, it's surreal. Like, you grow up wanting to be in the NBA your whole life and you get the opportunity to be here. And not only do you play against people that you've looked up to, but, you know, they, they coach against you. Uh, you'll see them just in NBA circles. It's just a surreal feeling. Tyrese Halliburton is joining us. You mentioned the Redeem Team premiere. I thought that doc was great. I loved it. What did you think of it? I thought it was awesome. I thought it was awesome. I was eight years old when it happened, so I don't really remember too much from it, just that America dominated. But I guess I didn't really ever pay attention to what led up to the Redeem Team, the disappointment before that. And, um, you know, I love the Kobe stories in it. I mean, how can you not love those? Right. So, Tyrese, what about, like, the team's off to a great start, and you talk about being a lead guard. You're on the ball. You're getting an opportunity. You're making the most of it. I love the backcourt. I love the play of you and rookie Benedict Matherin. What's it like to play with him, and how well do you guys play off each other? I think it's awesome um, just to have – I mean, I've, obviously we're trying to build something fresh here, build something new, build something exciting. Um, he's a guy who I see right away just loves basketball, loves to compete. I uh, love having him on my side. I think our games complement each other well because he's such a downhill force and such a scoring threat, um, and I'm most comfortable facilitating. So, um, you know, it allows me to, you know, when I'm getting off the ball or passing the ball and he's getting it getting downhill, getting the free throw line, scoring, um, you know, now teams got to stay closer to him, and that opens up my offensive game to be able to score. So um, I think we just have skill sets that really fit each other, and uh, we're just two guys who get along and love basketball. So I think that's, you know, why we fit. From the outside looking in, that's exactly how it seems. And you're right, man. When he gets going downhill, look out. The thing is, when you talk about we're a young team, we're hungry, and it's really exciting, what's really interesting to me is all that speculation early on about how maybe this thing might not actually get an opportunity because there was that talk about Miles Turner and Buddy Hill maybe going to L.A. You've already been traded. You understand the business of the business. But when you know you've got this possibility of something young and good and it's building, was there any concern that you might not get a chance to see it to fruition because of that speculation? I guess for me, uh, the point where I'm at, and um, obviously I have a great relationship with Buddy and Miles and, um, you know, we would love to, we love playing with each other. You know, we before this season we just were really looking forward to the opportunity. But I think all of us know that we can't control everything. Uh, it's not up to us. We just were you know hoping that we would be able to be together and uh, play together, and we were really excited about it. And uh, you see us together, uh, we're already you know living up or higher than expectations. I think a lot of teams, a lot of people predict us worst team in the East, worst team in the NBA. Uh, we're doing a lot better than that with the group we have right now. Um, but we understand that it's a business. I mean, Buddy's been in trade talks. Buddy's been traded twice already in his career, been in trade talks his whole career. Miles has been in trade talks his whole career. Like, we can't control it. We just go out there, compete, do our jobs, and uh, we all get along. We're all close. So, um, you know, I think we, we get along on the, on the human aspect of things. And as basketball players, we just understand we've got a job to do, and uh, that's to, you know, be, play the best of our ability. Hey, Terry, does that make a big difference on the floor, like the fact that we all get along, we all like each other, we all are picking each other up? Like how big a thing is chemistry, and how does that play out on the floor? Does that lead to actual wins? And how many wins a year I- would that mean? Yeah, I would say that even I think chemistry is everything, culture is everything, and and I think a big part of it is it doesn't have to be as much as it is trusting each other, even in each other. I understand. Got my back. Messed up. Got his back. We understand the tribe culture here, and most of the older guys on this team understand uh, the opportunity at hand and, and how they can help. 
help me. Uh, just a kind for everybody, and uh, I don't know how many wins that's going to come to. Um, are you craving some protein after a good workout? I always am. Listen, this time, don't make a shake or eat a bar. Grab a bag of beef jerky from Old Trapper. Old Trapper beef jerky is tasty and tender and made with real strips of steak and quality spices that are smoked over a wood fire. And it goes with you wherever you go, to the game, to the gym, to the beach, anywhere at all. Look for Old Trapper in the Clearview bag. You can see the quality you're buying. Look for it in major retail stores near you. Clone. If you do not see it, ask for it by name because no other jerky compares. Oh, Trapper, what's your beef? Tyrese, my man, I'm trying to fight through this. This is such a good conversation, except our connection is not great. So the phone call is dropping off. You know, let me let me say this. I think. Let me try and bring it back. I want to finish this thing up the right way because it's such a good conversation. Tyrese Halbert is my guest. And the connection was a little iffy for a moment there. Tyrese, can you hear me right now? Yeah, I hear you. Okay, there you go. There you go. Yeah, yeah. You were talking about you don't know exactly how many wins that that translates to, but you know that chemistry is important and you know it when you have it. 100%. 100%. I think culture is everything and don't know how many wins that it can go to, but we know that uh, we have the ability to do some good things here and, you know, we're just trying to control what we can every day. Let me ask you this before you go. Being in Indiana means you get to play for what I think is one of the league's top coaches in Rick Carlisle. Does he coach you hard, and what has he meant to you in your game so far? Yeah, he definitely does. Um, I think there's just the the respect that I have for Coach Carlisle when I got here, and now that I get to know now that I know him better, um, I have a ton of respect for him. He's obviously a legend in the game of basketball, uh, one of the greatest coaches you know in NBA history. So. The, the opportunity that I get to have to learn from him every day and pick his brain every day is something I'll never take for granted. And uh, it's it's really exciting. And I think that, you know, he's, he's given me a lot of freedom, you know, as his point guard to kind of help run the offense, call my own plays, uh, ask me what I see a lot of times. So uh, I don't take it for granted. I'm really excited about it and just trying to learn as much as I can every day. How do you approach that? Like you're the guy with the ball in your hand, right? So you've got a job to do. You've got to make good decisions, but you want to keep guys around you happy. How do you make that? It's kind of a fine line, right? How do you balance those two things? I have a job to do. I have to make good decisions, but I want to keep guys around me happy because they need the ball. Yeah, for sure. I think that's just the nature of being a point guard. That's the the – you know, being a point guard, being a leader, that's not for everybody, you know. So having the opportunity that I do to come out here every day and, um, you know, get this opportunity to have the ball in my hands, I think being a point guard is – I've always been told your job is to be the coach on the floor and be the mom of the team. Like, my mom keeps all of us all of us boys happy in the family. Like, that's my job on the floor, keep everybody happy. We understand this guy hasn't got a touch in a little bit. How can I run a set to get him the ball? Um, you know, just keep keeping up, you know, keeping spirits up and things like that. It's kind of just the, the job of being a point guard. I think one last thing, what you just said is really interesting. Like, you, not everybody wants that, and you can't really teach that. And there's certain things, like, you went 12th in the draft. That's a really good thing, right? Unless you think maybe you should have gone higher. Like, are there certain things that you cannot evaluate? If you're an evaluator, for instance, how do you evaluate heart? And do you feel like you should have gone higher than even 12? Well, of course, I feel like I should have went higher than 12. Uh, that's not a question. Um, but, you know, at the end of the day, you know, things happen for a reason. And I understand that. Um, but, yeah, that's that's why being a, a talent evaluator is so hard. And that's why uh, talent evaluators miss a ton. They are right on some. They, they're right on a ton, miss a ton. 
it's just a part of it. You can't evaluate those things. Like how can you evaluate uh, people's willingness to get better and people's love for the game of basketball? Because um, when you ask those questions, they're going to tell you the right things, but how do you really evaluate it? So uh, that's, that's the hard, hard job of, of the decision makers in this league and in any, any sports league. Uh, but yeah, for me, I just feel like that might've been undervalued is just the love I have for the game my obsession with the game of basketball. So, uh, you know, just the, it's happening now. And, you know, every time there's a little redraft thing on social media, it, uh, you know, I'm sure I go a little higher than 12. Dude, I fully respect you just saying, of course I think I should have gone higher than 12. So what's the stronger motivation? Proving those people wrong or proving the others right who did believe in you and who did know? Well, I would say the strongest motivation is proving myself right. Right. More so than proving anybody anything is – like, I believe, of course, I have that confidence that I should have went higher, that, um, you know, that I'm the best player in the draft. Of course, I felt that way in, in the moment, and I still feel that way today. Um, but, you know, my job is just to go out there and perform and uh, prove myself right to myself. Like, that is a, that's a belief of mine, and I believe that. Um, but also, you know, like you said, I, would re- I like proving people wrong, too. Like, that's been an obsession of mine since, you know, I came to college and people thought I was going to redshirt, like, that's just kind of um, a part of it. And, and I think everybody on this, I think I have a chip on my shoulder, but I think our, our locker room is full of guys with chips on their shoulder. And that's the beautiful part of being young and hungry is guys just want to get after it and, and, and succeed. Hello, dude. I've seen this. I've done this a long time. That's a really powerful thing. If you have an entire locker room full of guys with a chip on their shoulder, that's a really powerful thing. One last thought. I know you're locked in. I know you're focused. I know you have your own business to tend to. But did you catch yourself checking out any of the drama involving the Colts this past weekend? And if so, what do you make of them going into Vegas and beating the Raiders with Jeff Saturday as their head coach? Were you into that yeah. at all? Yeah, I mean, of course you see the stuff. Uh, I'm uh, I'm from Wisconsin, so of course I'm a Packer fan. But my boy JT, John Taylor, is on my fantasy team, and I talk to him all the time. Uh, so excited to see those guys win. Excited for my boy JT. To, he had like 25 this week for me in fantasy, so – I'm all good with it. I'm excited about it. Um, you know, I believe that uh, the same thing. You know, they're they're a young team, and um, you know, I th- I feel like they might have punted two weeks, but I feel like they're they're coming back and and, and they're ready to go. So, Tyrese, one last thought because you mentioned it. You're a Wisconsin native. I know this. I was going to let that go, but I bring it up because we have a son who's a senior at the University of Wisconsin. I own, my wife and I own a house. We built a house in the Northwoods in Eagle River. Wisconsin is a great state, dude. I don't have to tell you that. For those who do not know, there's a lot, I'm from California, so people just do not get it. Help me explain why Wisconsin is a great state because it is, isn't it? Yeah, it's amazing. It's a, the problem is that people see snow and they think of cold weather and they're like, ugh. But, like, it only really is going to snow from, like, December to March. Like, summers in Wisconsin and the Midwest in general are beautiful. The fall is amazing when leaves start changing colors and you can go on the water. There's a lot of outdoor activities. Uh, that's the best part. You get every season. You get to enjoy everything. Uh, that's why I love Wisconsin. Like, I, I love that place. I've spent summer there. Uh, my family still lives there. Yeah, it's a great place. I, I I love that you're petitioning for Wisconsin. I appreciate that. Yeah, dude, I, I am. I am. I definitely will petition for and represent. But let's not get this twisted now, dude. I'm not going there outside of the summertime, at least not yet. <laughs> at least not yet. But, no, you're right. They're, they're, I have seen the change of seasons and the colors, and it's amazing. It's amazing. But it is a great state. Tyrese Halliburton joining us. He's having a great year. They're off to a great start. Tyrese, really good to have you on. Appreciate you. Appreciate the conversation. That was fun. 
Yeah, appreciate you guys. Okay, Thanks man, so be much. good. So what is the fastest ball sport in the world? Not baseball, not tennis. In fact, it is the sport of high lie, spelled J-A-I-A-L-A-I, originating in the Basque region of Spain and played professionally in the U.S., most notably in the 1980s. High lie is making an unprecedented comeback. The ball reaches speeds of 150 miles per hour. The action is intense. The danger factor is high. Six-person teams of professional athletes play the sport at the Magic City Fronten in Miami, Florida. I invite you to check out all the action Monday and Tuesday at 5 p.m. and Friday night at 7 p.m. Go to HighLightWorld.com or download the free Highlight app in the App Store. The sport with its intensity and athleticism is well worth watching. Check out all the action at HighlightWorld.com. Matches are played similar to tennis with a player or team required to win two sets to win a match. Each set is played up to six points. It is a sport you need to check out. HighlightWorld.com. Monday and Tuesday at 5 p.m., Friday at 7 p.m. Now, Raider fan, it's tough for me to know exactly what to say to you right now except that I know you deserve better than what you're getting right now. You deserve better than that football team right now. But I'm not sure how you get up off the mat after swallowing a big L like that on your home field. It's well chronicled. We talked yesterday about how badly that went down, that you had a guy come out of a studio where he was just spewing hot takes, throwing pancakes around, and thumbing out smack on Twitter. Never coached in the NFL. Never coached in the college game. They needed somebody to call plays. They offered the job to somebody on staff. When that guy asked for more money, they said no. So they gave that to somebody else who would never call plays before. They come into your house. You know you have to win. And you get beaten. Without question, the most humiliating loss in franchise history. Yes, I said it. The most humiliating loss in Raider franchise history. One of the more humiliating losses in NFL history. And that's not a hot take. That's a fact. There's no way around that. There's no sugarcoating that. It was that bad. It was that humiliating. It was that revolting. It was that disgusting. It was that awful. It was that impossibly bad. So impossibly bad that now you've got folks talking about whether or not it's going to cost Josh McDaniels his job. Imagine that. A guy with six rings, maybe not even lasting as long as the worst NFL coach ever, Pervin Liar. Happy hump day eve, Perv. That's how bad a loss that was. So you've got Josh McDaniels. And there's speculation about whether or not that's going to cost him his gig. And everybody's waiting on Mark Davis. The hell is the gingerbread man going to do? What is Davis going to do? Well, remember, this is not one of those cash-rich owners. This is not a dude that can scratch a check for a stadium, much less a head coach who is not getting it done. He's still on the hook and still paying chunk Foodin, but you think this guy is going to pay chunk Foodin and then scratch a check for, quote, Joshy McBelichick to go 
when you sign him to a four-year deal. And then on top of that, pay what you have to pay to get another guy to come in. The hell he is. And if that was not clear before, it's abundantly clear now after he released an unbelievable quote to the Las Vegas Review-Journal. And when I say unbelievable, unbelievable, I mean not believable. Even for the bowl cut, but he did. He said this, and I quote, As far as Josh goes, I have no issues. I'm getting to know him a lot better. When you sign someone to a contract, don't you expect him to fulfill the contract? I like Josh. I think he's doing a fantastic job. You have to look at where we came from and where we're going. End of quote. There's nothing about that statement that makes sense. Where you came from? You made the playoffs last year. Where you're going? Man, straight into a dumpster fire. Into the toilet like a big silver and black deuce. You don't look at it. You flush it and you move on. It's almost like this guy saw Jim Ursay's super kooky performance last week and wanted some of that same attention. The hell kind of quote is that? Your fans have been through enough in the last 48 hours. You don't need to humiliate them all over again, bull cut. And I want to make this very clear. Like, I get a vote of confidence. In fact, a vote of confidence to settle things down probably was the right move, even though a vote of confidence normally is the kiss of death. But I'm not saying this guy should be fired at all. I'm saying I'm shocked at how badly it's come off the rails, but I'm not calling for his firing. It's only been nine games. Now, granted, a hideous nine games, but only nine games nonetheless. I'm not saying that I expected the bowl cut to saw this guy off this week. That was never going to happen. If you're going to keep him, back him now, and that could actually be helpful to settle things down because absolutely everybody everywhere is tearing this dude and this franchise and the gingerbread man himself to shreds. However, a vote of confidence is a totally different thing than saying, quote, I think he's doing a fantastic job. As I said earlier, if you want to say, I hired this guy to do a job, I'm going to let him do his job. That's one thing. But saying that Josh McDaniels is doing a fantastic job, the hell are you talking about? Why not just flip off your entire fan base too while you're at it? Because you're treating them like idiots. Idiots that you don't respect. Idiots that you don't care about at all. It's like you're kicking your own fans while they're already down. Like, it's not a secret. I like Josh McDaniels. <laughs> but from me to you, he absolutely is not doing a fantastic job. The biggest Josh defender in the world would never say something like that. Josh's own family would never say something like that. Josh himself would never say something like that. He's doing a fantastic job? Actually, he and the rest of them are doing a terrible job. Now, I'm not saying you pull the plug. I'm not saying you break this guy off. I'm not saying you fire this guy. I think giving him more time is the right move. This guy's not pulling a buddy needs a night out. This guy isn't rushing back to his college town. Pulling on 
a Buckeye pullover, abandoning his team, skipping a team flight, kicking kickers while they're stretching, and making moves on co-eds back where he still liked. He didn't do that. I'm not saying fire the guy. I'm not even saying don't back the guy. I'm saying spare us this fantastic job bullcrap, bullcut. Look, gingerbread man, just say you hired the guy to do a job and that you're going to let him do the job and people could stop asking about him having a job and leave it at that. But don't sit up there like some kind of weird-ass trust fund baby and act like the dude should be getting coach of the year votes. You know what you should do? Open up your flip phone, put that minivan in park, and try to scroll. Try to browse on that flip phone and see what the rest of the world is doing and saying about your coach and your team. You know, maybe do a temperature check. And then maybe fire whoever the hell is dropping that bowl on top of your head and then buzzing around it. Because it's clouding your judgment. A fantastic job. The guy just lost to a dude that Jim Ursay pulled out of a TV studio who had never coached in the NFL or the college game. He just lost to a high school coach. Like, I'm not convinced that your head coach would have beat a random person, pulled from the stands, and handed a Colts visor on Sunday. He is definitely not doing a fantastic job. In fact, he's doing the opposite of a fantastic job. Man, stop saying that. Now, if you want to if you want to call him a fantastic man, yeah, there you go. If you want to call this guy a fantastic man, I might even be able to get on board with that. He does have six fantastic rings. He is one of the brightest offensive minds in league's history. Fantastic mind. And that song is a banger, is it not? Josh would probably appreciate that too because we already know that he's a fantastic clone. Absolutely. We, I've been a Jungle fan for about eight years. Back when we were breaking down film late at night in 2001, Nick Casario and I would listen to this show, uh, all the archive shows, till we left the building at night. So, no, this is, uh, <laughs> this is one of those opportunities where it's something you never imagined you're going to do, and here we are. We're on the Jim Rome show, and that's why I told Mark. I said, tell Jay Stu without the nicks and cuts of a blade. All right, so there it is. I'm going to put it right out there. There are two reasons why I have this guy's back. One, I think he's a brilliant offensive mind. I do. Number two, that. That. He came on this show and said that he and Nick Casario, when they worked for the Pats, would be in the facility late at night listening to the show and the archives. And that he's a jungle clone. The archives. Like he was a jungle insider probably. And that, like, it's kind of a dream to be on the show. So this is why I've done my very best to back him as much as I could. And, and, and he's a brilliant offensive mind. That's why there's Streamlink. Dude, he he went with a without the nicks and cuts of a blade J. Stu reference. Without the nicks and cuts of a blade. That's Josh McDaniels back in the day. 
This is why I love the guy. And he's got a fantastic offensive mind. But my man's not doing a fantastic job this year. All right? So fine, Bullcut. You are doing the right thing by sticking it out with this guy right now. And I know you're not going to cut him a check anyway. That's fine. But call it what it is, dude. A really embarrassing, challenging, tough stretch. And the optics are horrible. And you're not making it any better by saying that he's, quote, doing a fantastic job. I know you want to be your own guy. But do you think your old man would ever, ever have said something like that? No, man, he'd have the overhead projector out right now, and he'd be humiliating, embarrassing, and then firing the coach, even if he is a fantastic man with a fantastic mind and a fantastic clone. But he's not doing a fantastic job. Dude, stop saying that. What's more absurd, that Jeff Saturday went in there and did them or that the owner had eyes on Jeff Saturday going in and doing them and then saying that his guy's doing a fantastic job. Why not extend him four more years? Why not give him the same 10-year deal that you gave Chunky Foodin? But, I mean, dude. New Jersey. No. Let's go to Maryland. Vince in Maryland. Vince, what's up? How are you? Hey, Jim. How are you today? Good, dude. How about you? I'm good, man. Listen, the commodes went in and flushed the Eagles right down the toilet. And, you know, Scary Terry is a class act. And Ty Taylor Heineken, this man, they have come overcome so many distractions and dysfunctions from the head clown, Danny Boy Snyder. Jimmy, thank you. Go commodes. You got it, Vince. Thank you. Vince in Maryland coming in, talking about the commodes. It's so true. The commodes fan talking about the commodes. Let's go to New Jersey. Brett, next up. Hey, Brett, how are you? What's going on, Jim? How you doing? Good, Brett. How are you? Good. I talked to you a couple weeks ago. I called after the uh, that horrible performance after the uh, Saints game. And I was going to call last week after the Jacksonville game, but I said to myself, you know, I might get thrown off of the air lifetime ban if I talk and say what I want to say after that game. So I gave it another week. Now, this is what I got to say, all right? First of all, congratulations to Jeff Saturday, okay? He went in there, and he led men, okay? He went into that locker room, and he led men. Those guys went out and played for him, right? They would run through a wall for him. These guys in Las Vegas, they wouldn't run through paper mache, for Josh McDaniels, and it shows, okay? It is embarrassing what they put on the field every single Sunday. And you know what? I, I want to first, I want to, Derek Carr, he gets up on the podium, he cries. He cries on the podium. And it's like, for a second, I start to feel bad, right? This has been our quarterback for nine years. He's probably been the best quarterback I've seen in my 31 years, right? He has? He's the best quarterback you've seen in your 31 years. Brett, sorry about that. We just ran out of time. Sorry about that. We'll be right back. Good night, Nile! 